You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, welcome to today, January 16th edition, 2014, of Real People OC. I am your host, Kimberly Martin, and as always, we have very interesting people in our studio. Uh, Before us to talk to you, talk to me, we share a lot of information in this hour, and I'm so thrilled that you joined me. This is now going to be my second year at this, and I'm really enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying the programming as well. I'm getting lots of call-ins from people that have ideas about programming for the show. And if I haven't said so before, I just want to let you know, I I really welcome you to call me and let me know if there's something that you want to hear from us. It's my pleasure to do so. So, um, you know, feel free and, and give us some ideas on topics that you want to hear. We're happy to do so. Um, here at KUCI, we have a whole host of DJs. If I'm not the right one, um, I know I can find you somebody that is. So at any rate, um, just, is that happening to you too? Are you hearing that? I have, don't know if it's mic or my headphones, but something's going in and out. I'll check on that and do a little sound check in a second. But um, we'll get right into it. Today, <laughs> again, Thursday, 2014. Oh my gosh, January 16th. I can't even believe it how time flies. But um, I don't know. KUCI has been, been pretty progressive throughout the years. And, you know, because of that, we've been, gosh, 1968, 45 years we've been around. That's pretty significant. That kind of staying power is is really amazing. And um, I'm impressed, and you should be too. Check out our lineup and join us um, each and every day. We're a 24-hour-a-day station. And if for some reason you don't catch our show, you can stream live with us um, by going to KUCI.org. That means if you're not with an earshot of our radio frequency, or you can always go to iTunes and search College Radio. Lots of different ways you can hear us. You can go straight to our website and pull down podcasts of our shows. We've got a lot of great information. I know when I don't have time to listen to the show live, I go on and listen to the podcasts of all of our PA shows. We have some great content there, as well as great music. So, I'm always pleased to introduce a new guest that has not been interviewed by KUCI before, which, um, you know, hey, there there's so many amazing people out there. We just need to give a shout out to them any chance that we get. And I was really lucky to meet today's guest at a breakfast club um, called the Maestro Network. And I'm really enjoying meeting some new people that way. Uh, if you don't, you know, new year, new resolutions, if you don't get out much, I'm telling you, it's the most exciting thing to get out and meet new people. It just changes your outlook on just about any aspect of your life. But I, I felt like it was a little bit kismet when I met our next guest, Terry Whalen. And um, Terry, gosh, so much energy. I couldn't believe it when I met him. But he sparks that interest that everybody has of their own dream to maybe someday tell their own story. And I don't know about you, but I I hear people say, I've got a book in me. And everybody has this desire, I don't know what it is, to tell a story, even if it's not their own story, but a story that really was compelling to them. And so Terry is here to maybe spark your interest. And um, he brings so much experience in the publishing world, but he's just re- recently read, written a book, Jumpstart Your Publishing Dreams. And, you know, what better way for you to start thinking about a new project for yourself 
then uh, sit down and say, let's let's hear from Terry. So I'm going to give a little quick background with Terry, and then I'm going to welcome him onto the show. He um, was a former book acquisitions editor for several publishing houses, a former literary agent. He um, is currently an acquisitions editor for Morgan James Publishing. We're going to hear a lot about Morgan James today because they're unique in the publishing world, and they give hope to people like you and to me who aren't necessarily well-known writers, but want maybe to, to find their way into the publishing world, Morgan James might just be a way for you to, to jumpstart a career like Terry is going to share with us today. A very prolific writer. I'm excited to hear Terry in, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds spouted off amazing accomplishments in the writing world. He once wrote a book in 11 days. We're going to hear all about that. So let me welcome um, to the studio Terry Wallen. And Terry, gosh, thank you for coming. Great to be here with you, Kimberly. I'm, I'm delighted to have this opportunity. Good. Well, I'm happy you're here. And let's let's jump right into Jump Start Your Publishing Dreams. Tell me what the, um, the impetus behind this book was. Well, Kimberly, I've been in publishing 20, 25 years, and I've met so many people. I go to writers' conferences almost once a month. It seems like I'm out somewhere in the country, and I meet all these people that have these great dreams of being published, but they have no idea what they need to do to get started. And so in Jumpstart Your Publishing Dreams, what I do is give every reader at least a dozen different ways that they can get their own publishing life started. Okay, so when somebody says, gosh, I want to publish a book, they've, they've got a story to tell, but they may not necessarily be a writer. There's, there's so many different ways to skin this cat. Let's talk about what some of those are. Well, yeah, if they can't write, they can find somebody that can help them write. Uh, like, for example, you mentioned that, uh, that book that I wrote in 11 days. Uh, that, that was a situation where the, uh, there was a very busy executive that couldn't, didn't have time to write her own book. So I came alongside her, and in 11 days, I pounded out 48,000 words of this diet book called First Place that over the last... 15, 20 years, the book has sold over 100,000 copies. That's amazing. What an accomplishment for that author. But does she realize what, what gift you gave her and in 11 days? Well, I don't know whether she does or not. That's okay with me. I was just the, uh, the hands to be able to help put that project together. The publisher actually in that particular case hired me. They're all different how these deals work. Sometimes the, um, sometimes the writer brings their brings their ghost writer or co-author with them other times the publisher puts that together and in that case the publisher put it together okay so somebody has let's say a body of work that they've studied or something they want to share and maybe they have notes it, what can they come to you with as little as or as much as what's typical uh it's it's different in all different kinds of situations some um some people come with a, with a manuscript. Some people come with uh, a partial idea. Some people um, come with a proposal. It's, it's different. In, in the publishing world, we like it when authors come with a proposal because that, that book proposal contains information that normally isn't in your manuscript. For example, uh, why you as the author, why, sh why should you be the person to write this book? Uh, what are the competition? What are the other books that are similar but yet different than your book? Um, we want the author to tell us those kinds of things. 
interesting that you mentioned the book proposal because you also wrote a book, Book Proposals That Sell, 21 Secrets to Speed Your Success. Um, that that came way early on. This is from your from your time in the publishing world. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And it's continuing to get out there and help people. I wrote that in uh, 2006. Came out as a frustrated acquisitions editor. I was not getting the kind of material over the transom, uh, just in the in the mail or in the email from from would be authors. And so I put together this book to try to help them to be able to do that. Uh, since I wrote that book and it came out in 2006, uh, I have over 100 five-star reviews for the book on Amazon. Uh, people all the time write me about that book. Uh, somebody wrote me the other day that they'd used my book. They were a first-time author. They got a $50,000 advance from their publisher, and they learned how to do it by dissecting my book and following my advice. Amazing, amazing. So, a hundred thousand copies. So, okay, we're going to get into some of your internet presence later in the show because that was one of the things that fascinated me so much. Uh, not that age is ever a predictor of anybody's, you know, experience or age, but I'm fascinated because when we do talk about that internet component, I'm struggling with that, with just the morass of information out there and how you hop on that information internet highway the twitter the social media everything you have such a firm grasp on this and so let's make sure we talk a little bit about this when we okay. get through the show because okay. because you're you're senior to me so you know i i'm i'm noticing this little reverse you know thing happening in the world where the the older people are looking to the younger people for the answers, whereas it really should be the other way around. But, but you know, lately my mom is the one that answers all my Facebook questions <laughs> and go. my YouTube questions. There you go. And so, uh, so I want to make sure you impart all of your experience on that with us sure. as well today. I'm happy to do that. Okay, let's go back to talking about that publishing dream. Let's, let's, let's take that person with a story to tell or a body of work they want to share, and let's break that down a little bit. Well, I would guess one of the first things, Kimberly, that I like to tell people is that people want to write books because they believe the books are, are permanent and they believe that, uh, that that's a great, great way to, to get their message out. Uh, that might not be the case because actually you'll reach more people with a, with a magazine article than, than you ever will with a book. Uh, a books, if a book sells 5,000 copies... That's really good <laughs> in, in, within the publishing community. I know that. Okay. Many books don't sell 5,000 copies. Many books will sell, if they're self-published, maybe they'll sell 100 copies. And huh. so, so it, it seems like an inordinate amount of time and energy that somebody will spend to write a 40,000, 50,000-word book or a 100,000-word novel just to have so few people read it, where you can take a small amount of time and write for a magazine, write a thousand, fifteen hundred words, and easily have a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people read that magazine article. And so that, and and one of the ways that I try to emphasize in the book, it is important. Uh, those of us that are in publishing, look for publishing experience. Okay. And so one of the ways you can get experience, is by publishing in magazines and so I wrote for magazines for many years I'm still writing for magazines before I'd ever had a book published 
So it's kind of like sticking your toe in and seeing if your work is accepted or if the uh, the idea and the body of work you want to share has any interest out there. It is. It's And it's also a way of uh, learning some very valuable skills. So, for example, an editor comes back and says, ah, I don't really want 1,500 words. I only want 1,000 words. So yeah. you have to learn how to cut cut that down to the right amount of, of space. Uh, you have to learn how to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, which seems logical, but, you know, I mean... It, we a lot learned of people that in don't. fourth grade, didn't we? Well, you kind of <laughs> do, but you also learn how to tell a good story and how to have, uh, with magazine articles, you learn how to have what we call a takeaway, uh, a point, a single point, so that everybody can say, oh, yeah, okay, that's why I'm reading this. And um, That tangible that the person gets to hold on to long after they've forgotten the words. And those are all valuable skills that will help you be able to write good books at the end of the day. Okay, so you're saying that maybe the magazine article is going to be your building block towards a book. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're, uh, you write daily, and you're a columnist. Can you talk to us about your practice of writing and how you spend your time when you do? Every writer does this differently. I'm, I'm they interested. All, they all do it differently. Um, these days, I'm not writing so much myself. as uh, I mean, I have a blog that has 1,200 entries in it, so I have a lot of content over there on my blog. What is the name of your blog, in case anybody is interested and wants to know a little bit more about it? My blog is at thewritinglife.ws, and uh, that'll take you over to my blog spot uh, blog. It, it flips over over to that. It's just Terry Whalen at blogspot. I, it's got a more complicated name than that so okay uh, the writing life.ws will take you over there um, I have a search tool in the the right hand column if you scroll down you'll you'll see that you can search by different topics and I've written on all kinds of publishing things over the last I don't know I think I started this thing in 2008 so I've I've got a lot of content in that blog you can also go to terrywhalen.com too, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And Terry is spelled T-E-R-R-Y-W-H-A-L-I-N. That's right. Terrywhalen.com. Right. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, all right. Well, let's let's continue to break this down because you've got me hooked. <laughs> well, there's a lot of different ways to learn about publishing, and that's one of the ways is to get into the magazine world. Uh, I wrote for many, many magazines before I ever got my first book published, as I, as I was saying. Um, and another way to advance your career and in the publishing world is by getting to a writer's conference. There are many of these different kinds of conferences. It depends on what you write. If you write nonfiction, you want to go to a nonfiction kind of conference. If you write Christian material, you want to go to a Christian conference. If you write fiction, romance, you want to go to a romance conference. But those conferences can really uh, cut down the learning curve, I guess is what I'd say, for you to be able to figure out who's who and how to get your material in front of the right person. Because in publishing, I, I say this a lot, it, you have to be kind of in the right place at the right time with the right stuff in front of the right person in order to be able to get that material out there into the world. Well, you know, it Yes and no. I mean, with so many people self-publishing, aren't they somewhat circumventing part of this process by self-publishing? They are to an extent, but... Maybe not with success at the end. They might have that book in print, but, you know, nobody wants to read it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, what, the numbers are, are staggering of what's been done. I mean, in 2011, uh, CreateSpace, for example, did, uh, fit, which is free through Amazon. You can get your book published like that, but... 
there were over 53,000 titles that were on done. Create Space. On Create Space in, in 2011. That's staggering. It is. <laughs> it is. Now, that must be like a like a, a pool of minnows for a shark, though, for somebody <laughs> in the publishing world. Do you spend time going on there to mine through some of that to see if there's any quality work? I don't. Okay. I've, uh, I've Tell got me too why. Much other stuff. Uh, at Morgan James, we receive about 5,000 submissions a year. So it's kind of like drinking out of a fire hose every day. I've got tons of stuff coming to me. Uh, we publish about 150 books a year. So, okay. Um, so now I don't need to go over and create space and look around in their pond in order to be able to see, find more stuff. Throw so. that into a comparison, though, for me. Morgan James, 150 books a year. What is that in comparison to some of the bigger publishing houses? We're considered a medium-sized New York publisher at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, so 150 books is it's pretty substantial. It's not, um, you know, it's not a thousand books like a random house or somewhere like that. But um, 150 is still pretty pretty respectable. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So, okay, I love the drinking out of the fire hose. <laughs> you talk about a catch-22. Tell me about that. Yeah, the catch-22 of publishing, <laughs> I kind of alluded to that a minute ago. It's kind of like when you're uh, just out of college, you're going to get your first job. Um, you got to put a resume together for that, for that first job. And you don't have any employment experience really to put on your first resume. But yet that employer is looking to see if you have experience in order to be able to hire you. It's the same kind of thing in publishing. Uh, we're looking for people that have been published to publish them some more. And so it's kind of a catch-22, you're kind of stuck. And so the way I advise people to get out of that catch-22 is to publish in magazines. Okay. Like we were talking about before. Okay, so that seems to be the step one, really, is find the magazine that addresses the audience you wish to reach and knock on their door until they let you in, right? Right. Yeah, knock on their door. There's um, every, every magazine editor that I know has pages and pages of blank pages to fill every month or every week or whatever whatever frequency their their publication does and so you need to figure out how to get on their radar and write for them is that going to change though with so many things that are going to print leaving our world like the newspaper and you know a lot of magazines just going online is some of that um, that drive for new material going to wane as time goes on Possibly, but I, I still think, um, you know, print still has a real strength out there. I mean, everybody's infatuated with the ebook, for example, but it's still, ebook is still only 20, 30% of the market, which leaves 70% of the, of the market in print. Back to where, where we're, we're used to getting it. Yes. I loved those campaigns for, I, I can't remember how long ago they were, but it must have been running last year where magazines were putting inside of other magazines and newspapers that magazines are still a, a hugely growing industry. Sure. Absolutely. I thought that was interesting. Um, it's counterintuitive to the way we see things going. Can you, can you touch on why you think that might be? Well, they've done studies and I've read them recently where, where, you know, teens are reading e eBooks naturally, but they're also preferring sometimes to read print books. So uh, they've done studies like that. So it, yeah, it is, it is counterintuitive. You, I, I think my stance as a, as a writer is to try to get my material in as many different formats as possible. So for example, uh, Morgan James publishes in print, 
but we also publish in all the different ebook formats, not just Kindle, but Sony Reader, iPhone, iPad, Nook, Kobo, all those different devices. We also uh, do an audiobook of every book. So uh, I, th- I think your book needs to be in as many different formats as possible because some people consume books one way, some people consume it another way. Right. You know, it's an interesting conundrum, all of these different devices. So there isn't just one language that you get to throw that book into and it just will be read by anybody's reading device, right? No. It's all different platforms. All different platforms. Isn't that just ridiculous? <laughs> it kind of is, but... Um, Maybe can give you, you know, a At Morgan edge. James, we distribute uh, those e-platforms to about 1,800 places around the world. So it's uh, all over the place. Okay, so I notice on your um, your book, Jumpstart Your Publishing Dreams, you have a forward by Mark Victor Hansen, the um, author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yes. How important is that forward for you to snag? So it's kind of like snagging a good running mate in a presidential campaign. They're what, important. What's that like? They're, they're important. Um, they're, um, the endorsements also in the book, I have several pages of, of endorsements in the front are, are important to get those. Um, what a lot of people don't understand is the way you get those endorsements is by asking for them in the right way. And the right way is understanding that people like Mark Victor Hansen get asked a lot right. for a forward or for an endorsement. So you have to make it easy for them to say yes. So here's what I did with my book. I mean, I was... I, I've I've put together forwards for a lot of different books and a lot of different things over the years, so I knew how this worked within the publishing world. I knew I was going to see Mark at a conference, and I knew I was writing this book, and so I wrote the forward for Mark Victor Hansen. I sat there and pretended that I was Mark for a little bit and wrote the forward for my book. Interesting. And I brought it with me uh, just in manuscript form, and I showed it to Mark, and, I, and he said, oh, Terry, what's this forward by Mark Victor Hansen? I'm like, oh, Mark, I just want you to read that and see if you're okay with it. And he's like, oh, okay, I can do that. So he took my pages, trooped off to his hotel room, came back a couple hours later. We were sitting up in, the, in front of the conference, actually. I was, we were all on the faculty of this, of this event. And he looked at me during the event and, turned, and said, oh, by the way, Terry, I'm okay with that forward. Wow. Thank you very much, Mark. That's all I needed to hear. Now, he was a colleague, obviously, throughout the years, or had you never met him? I'd met him a couple of times before. Yeah. But I didn't have this great, strong relationship with Mark Victor Hansen. Okay. So the key here in this is to make it easy for them to say yes. So if it means that you have to write it to make them say yes, then do that. Because the writing part is... It's hard. I mean, it takes them time. Even it takes their writer. energy for them right. to do that. So they can look it over and say, okay, I could, I could go with that, or I'd cha- I wouldn't do it this way. I'd say it this way. Um, okay, if you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And we have as our guest today, Terry Whalen. And Terry is the author of Jumpstart Your Publishing Dreams. And Terry's given us a bit of a step-by-step here of creative ways you can maybe put that thought or idea or some of the writing you've been doing, journaling, into something real and giving us some good common sense steps on how to go about maybe sticking your toe in the water and uh, publishing some of your work, putting it out there. There's still a real hunger, isn't there, Terry, for new material? I'm so surprised by that. You know, just when you think nothing else can be invented, something else comes along. Why, Why is that? 
Well, I think Solomon had a right way said of the making of books, there's no end. <laughs> That's in Ecclesiastes. And it's really true. Um, there's going to be more and more books, more and more new publications, uh, new magazines, new publishing houses. And, and new to me always spells opportunity because there are new editors looking for new writers. And uh, that's your opportunity to, to be able to get in there and do something with that. Um, so there's no there's no near in no end in sight for the publishing world. You do see it growing. Oh, absolutely! It's, it continues to grow and amazing. We've we continue to grow as a publishing house at Morgan James. Uh, our books have been on the New York Times list 19 different times. Now only five books, but 19 times. Uh, we do. We've done about 1,700 titles since the company launched in 2002. Oh, that's impressive. Um, I want to stay on your book for just a few sure. more minutes, and then we're going to learn more about Morgan James and, and their unique style of publishing. That's fine. Um, there's, there's that uh, section in your book, the application section that we talked about. Yes. Um, the Dig Deeper and the Awaken Your Dreams. Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. I was, I've read a lot of how to write books. As a matter of fact, I read about one a month. I've read one, one a month for years. And the books that I really tend to get a lot out of as a writer are ones that have a, a section in the back that I can dig deeper and really apply to my own writing life. So intentionally, when I wrote Jumpstart Your Publishing Dreams, I planned a section like that. So for each and every chapter that I have in the book, I allow, encourage the reader to really dig deeper into their own writing life and how they can apply the section to their own, their own situation. Oh, okay. So it's at the end of every chapter, and what they need to do is just say, okay, so you've shared your story, but now go in and tell the real story behind the story. Yes. There's the words that, that really create the frame, but now we need to see what color is at the base of the canvas. Absolutely. Okay. Um, is that hard for people to do? hard for people to do yeah is it hard for them to dig deep when they're being a writer I mean some especially a nonfiction writer I mean sometimes it is sometimes but um, normally you just need the prods as much as anything I think and so that's what I try to provide is those those questions so that you can you can really figure it out and um, I'm curious about your writing uh, what motivates you to write? Do you need, you know, it to be dark outside? Do you need it to do by candlelight? I mean, do you have any special tricks you do as a writer to, to motivate yourself to write? Uh, not particularly. Uh, usually a deadline uh, motivates me <laughs> as much as anything. Uh, like I turned in a magazine article yesterday that was due on the 15th. Ah. the 16th. Okay. And so um, I wrote my piece uh, ahead of time, but not too far ahead. So, right, right. Yeah. Okay. All right, good. So, I mean, if you're if you're thinking about being a writer, you have to spend a little time, I think, thinking about how how you get your best thoughts out. Is it at three in the morning when you wake up and your mind is really clear and it's dark and quiet outside? I know that I don't know what it is about my life, but the clarity is really actually only there in the middle of the night. It's different for all of us. Um, you know, I I have a little device called an Alpha Smart. It's an old technology. It's a full-size keyboard that I bought on eBay for like 30 bucks, and uh, it just shows four lines, but it holds 100 pages of text. And I took that with me on the plane. That's where I wrote my magazine article. Was I was in Tampa last weekend, and I wrote my article on the plane on the way there. 
And um, well, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> so, so you can you can write a lot of different ways. I mean, uh, some of my novelist friends, you know, write on a legal pad and then take it to their computer. I mean, there's no one way to do it. So it's it's different for all of us. Okay, it's a very creative process, and so how how you create is going to be varying between each individual. It will. Um, okay, so you deliver honest news to book authors. Let's talk a little bit about that. The uh, 10%. Oh, the 10%. Um, yeah, the, the honest news that I, that I delivered to them is that um, 90% of nonfiction books never earn back their advance. So everybody's always looking for a big advance and expecting that they're going to get, you know, rich off that advance that they're going to get. The advance is really like a loan uh, against your, your earnings for a book. And so what, what many writers don't understand is that only, uh, only 10% of those books actually earn back their advance and make any more money. So the fact that I've written 60 books for traditional publishers, everybody would think I'm super rich or, right. or I'm, I've got it made in the shade. Well, it's not true because I have a lot of negative royalty statements. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's what that shows. That doesn't mean you're still paying bills on all six no, of those books. No, it just I'm means not paying bills. The publishers don't ask for the money back. Mm. But it's not like I'm going to make any more money unless until those books earn their advance back. So, what is a typical advance for a book? Is there a typical advance? Uh, it's not. Um, it's different in every case. Advances have gotten smaller over the recent years, but you know it's not unheard of to get five. Ten thousand dollars for 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 a book, uh, for a nonfiction book, children's books a lot less. You maybe get five hundred bucks, maybe you get a thousand bucks to write a children's book, but um, it's different in every every case. Twice in my publishing career, I've signed uh, six figure advances okay. that, I, that I've gotten from publishers. Now, in each of those cases, I was uh, hooked up with. Uh, I was the writer for somebody, for some personality, and that's why we got the six-figure advance. Okay, but it's really a publisher's way of optioning on your book. They're they're obligating you to publish with them. By them giving you the advance, you're contractually obligated, right? Yes. And they now hold and own the material that you're going to be writing. Normally, yes. Okay. That's not how we do it at Morgan James, but that's part of the unique way that we we stand in the publishing world. Okay. Well, but normally you're right. Most publishers take world rights for books. Okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to see if I can try to fix that fuzzy sound on our mic. And um, we will um, come right back and uh, talk some more with Terry Whit. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. Anteater Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. The Claire Trevor School of the Arts has many dance, drama, music, and studio arts performances throughout the school year on the campus of UC Irvine. Events range from student ensembles to master classes given by professionals throughout the year that are open to the public. 
For more information on events and ticket prices, visit www.arts.uci.edu. The following takes place between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. Hear electronic cassettes by the best local and worldwide DJs. Please tune in every Friday night to Writers of the Plastic Group here on KUCI from 8 to 10 p.m. And don't forget to check us out on the web at KUCI.org slash writers. Okay, we are back, and I hope we got it fixed. I don't know if you're hearing it on your end. If you are, I'm sorry, um, but uh, KUCI engineers will be in here right away to fix it. I'm just sure of it. <laughs> so um, if you're just tuning in with us, I'm Kimberly Martin, and this is Real People OC, and we are weekly on Thursdays from 4 to 5, and we bring you interesting folks that will tell us a little bit about their careers and what they're doing in our community. And I think I bring them to you because, A, I met them and thought they were interesting and fascinating. And today, Terry Whalen is our guest. Terry is a publisher and a writer and a literary agent, all these things above in the book world. And so I just thought, you know, Terry's got this fabulous book, Jumpstart Your Publishing Dreams. I thought we'd hear a little bit about what he has to say and maybe spark your interest. So, um, Terry, we're going to switch now to your work with Morgan James because okay. it is unique. And the publishing world is a, myst a mystery to a lot of us. But I want to know why Morgan James is different. And, well, let's talk about what a traditional publisher does and Morgan James. And then let's, let's get into your role with them. Okay. Most traditional publishers, uh, for example, take if – if you do manage to get them to give you a contract, and it's hard – hard to get a contract for most people but if you do uh, often they take world rights and they tie up your your material for a long time so that's that's one of the one of the things um, publishers produce really great books and get those books into bookstores as a part of what they do uh, they're not really too good at selling books so usually and uh, what I try to emphasize with authors that I work with at Morgan James, any author that comes to me, is I always say, I don't care who publishes your book, Random House, Simon & Schuster, Podunk Press, whoever you went with, at the end of the day, I'd say 80, 90% of the responsibility is yours as an author to sell the book. Wow, I, I think that's probably staggering. I think people would be really surprised by that. They're not just gonna be sent on a elaborate and fancy book tour then. They're gonna have to pay for it themselves? Is that well, how it works? If if even they're sent on a book tour at all, uh, yes, they would they would probably have to invest in their own in their own book in order to be able to get out there. Okay, um, which is why we want to use social media and blogs and all kinds of things like that to get our message out rather than go out on book tours because it can be pretty lonely out there in the bookstore. Believe it or not, I've I've been in those signing situations where you just sit behind a table for an hour and look stupid. <laughs> And nobody mean, comes. Nobody, nobody comes could. and buys any books, so that that doesn't make you feel real good as an author. Ah, okay, so that's happened to you. Well, it sure <laughs> seems like you've run the gamut of the highs and the lows. Can we talk about some of the highs and some of your <laughs> successful books, where you're maybe are you ghostwriter too? I was a co-author, ghostwriter kind of thing. Yes, on on a number number of books. Are yes. you allowed to say if you're a ghostwriter, or do you? I guess if you're a ghostwriter, no, right? 
A ghostwriter usually not, okay. but if, but most of my books I've been uh, I've been a collaborator with with people. So my name is on the cover, like for first place. We talked about that the the diet book. Uh, I did a book with uh, Bishop uh, Philip Porter, who was uh, chairman of the board of Promise Keepers, oh. when it was the uh, fastest growing men's movement in America. Interesting. And so uh, I wrote uh, Bishop's book, and. Uh, Ultimately, um, Zondervan published that book. It's called Better Men on the Path to Purity. And um, that was one of two books that I did with uh, Bishop Philip Porter. Fascinating. What was that ride like? Did you do a lot of traveling for that book? Uh, I did some. Uh, Mostly, I I lived in Colorado Springs back then. Mostly, I drove to Denver and I had breakfast with Bishop. It was my big thing. And he told stories and I recorded them and went back to my computer and wrote from that experience there. Are some of the dictation apps working for you? Have you used any of them to <laughs> no, dictate any content? Okay. I never have. I'm, I'm pretty much one of these people that I, I record and then I go back and uh, just write from my, my experience of listening to somebody very co- closely. But then I go back and listen to my tape to, to pick up and make sure I have their quotations right. Okay. All right. So back to Morgan James. We're making a comparison between the traditional publishing um, house and an entrepreneurial publishing model. Let's talk about why it's an entrepreneurial publishing model and what that is. Well, Morgan James was set up because so much of traditional publishing gets in the way of you as an author being able to really succeed. They tie your hands up. If you want to do anything creative, you often have to go back to them and ask for permission, all those kinds of things. So Morgan James, right off the bat, one of the first things I tell writers is that you're going to get to keep all of your intellectual property rights. You only grant us the right to sell it exclusively in the bookstore, whether it be brick and mortar or the online bookstore. We sell into 98% of the bookstores in North America. Uh, brick and mortar, on, we, we sell into Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million in the South, Chapters Indigo in Canada, all the independent bookstores. And so we're not a self-publisher, so I mean those are all books that we're going to print we're going to pay for and then pay you a royalty on those books. Okay. Are we at risk for losing our bookstores? Is that the way? Bookstores are declining. Some of some of them are. Um, I guess what, what people can do if uh, hopefully they're concerned about that is support their local bookstore. You know, support your local retailer. Go in there and uh, buy, buy books. Right. Right. Don't wait for it to be secondhand when it's on Amazon for three bucks or something. That's right. I mean, there's a great aftermarket for that as well. But but you can see you can see where this is going if uh, if we don't support that. I love a book, a good bookstore and a good afternoon and a good bookstore. So that's one of the unique angles right there of of um, how Morgan James is set up. Uh, We like I say, we sell into 98 percent of the bookstores in in North America Uh, for every book. At Morgan James, that goes through our system. We form what we call an entrepreneurial vision mastermind group. Now, it's basically the two teams coming together. Uh, you could bring whoever on your side. Maybe it's just you. On our side, we would have a managing editor, a marketing director, a branding expert, David Hancock, the founder of our company, be on those calls. And together, the group figures out, you know, what's the best title? What's the best subtitle? What's the cover look like? What's the retail price? When's the book going to release in the bookstore? All those decisions we decide together. Now that's very different because I've been an acquisitions editor at two other publishing houses and I would show authors their cover and their title, 
but I really wouldn't care what they told me because usually all those decisions are in the domain of the publisher. But Kimberly, I've interviewed 150 best-selling authors over the years, and many times they would tell me just, you know, person to person here, they would say, oh, that's not my title, and I hate my cover. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so that doesn't sell books at the end of the because day. Because <laughs> they just don't have their little heart in it anymore. It's like their their baby's been taken away. Yeah, and so uh, we want our authors to know why why their book became like it did. And so we include them in all those meetings because we want them to be enthusiastic and on fire about their book. And then as their book is produced, a couple people drop off, a couple more people come back on, and that group becomes a coaching group to help our authors know what kinds of things they could, should be doing, hold them as accountable as a lettuce. These calls are completely free. They're for the lifetime of our relationship. Uh, we're still coaching authors that came to us in 2005. So... Uh, we're in it for the long haul. Some of these traditional publishers, they give you three months, six months, and then boom, you're on the back list and you can't even get them on the phone. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous what's happening out there. Cause, and I make a point of telling every author that, you know, I don't care who publishes your book, that 80% of that responsibility, you're going to carry that. And so the way we help them carry that is through these mastermind calls that we do. And that's really unique. Are you finding that your outcomes are better than um, maybe what they had at a traditional publishers? Oh, absolutely. I have authors that come to me all the time that were published by a traditional house like like Wiley or you name the publishing house, and they've come to us because they like this aspect of being in control of their work. The other, the other unique aspect of Morgan James is uh, we ask writers to turn in a complete edited manuscript. So you don't need to edit on your end then? No, we don't need to edit on our end. Uh, that The author will control their content. Now, I tell every author that you know a really good selling book is based on having a good manuscript, a good foundation. So they need to hire an editor. There's a lot of terrific freelance editors that uh, you can hire to, to go through your manuscript and get it in that best possible shape. But that's another unique way that Morgan James operates in the marketplace. Less and less editing is being done in traditional houses. So it's, a, it's another control thing that you can wrap your arms around as an author with us. Interesting. And then there's got to be some advantages to doing it this way rather than just doing it totally on your own, the self-publishing. Oh. That seems like a wasteland for so many people that author books. It is. We have a, we have a chart on our website at morganjamespublishing.com that compares uh, self-publishing, traditional publishing, and then the Morgan, the Morgan James model. Uh, so you can imagine, Kimberly, uh, as an acquisitions editor, I'm looking for three things. I'm looking for coachable authors. I'm looking for complete, fully edited manuscripts. That's number two. And then uh, the third criteria is just an understanding on your part. Um, it's a little unusual at Morgan James, but we're known as the entrepreneurial publishers, so we want them to have skin in the game. Oh. So we ask every author to commit to buying 2,500 copies of their own book. Now, they don't have to buy those books all at once. Uh, they buy them as they need them. Our typical author, because of this coaching I was telling you about, is selling 2,500 copies of their own book in the first year to 18 months that they're with us. Sell those books, they're going to gross over $50,000. Um, now, they get the book at our print cost plus $2. 
Okay. Now, the way we define print costs is, let's say your book's a 200-page paperback book in the standard size. Buy that book in quantities from us. You're going to get the book for $1.55 each. Uh, as a good faith deposit, when you sign one of our contracts, we ask you to give us that $2 over the print price of the book. So it's $2 times $2,500, $5,000 that we ask for up front. Seems reasonable. That's far less than if you were to go publish it on your own. Is that correct? I've met many people that have spent eight, ten, fifteen thousand dollars self-publishing to publish their book. Interesting. And, and their books aren't even in the bookstore. I mean, it's a travesty. It is, isn't it? Um, do you ever run across somebody whose content you just are like, well, yeah, forget it, dude. You know, you miss the oh, mark. Oh yeah, there are some people that I can't publish publish their books. They don't have the right kind of content. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we we turn down people all the time. Like I say, we receive five thousand submissions a year and only do one hundred fifty books. So it's we wade through a lot of material. Are most of your books nonfiction that you're doing? A lot of them are nonfiction. Uh, this last, we're doing some children's books uh, a year. Last year we did we did about forty fiction titles, and our our fiction division did so well that they actually spun off on their own, starting January first. So we're 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 still going to be doing some fiction though. Interesting. Okay. All right. Now um, I'm holding a couple books here that you brought to me that are Morgan James. They're, these are beautiful books, really nice quality. But one of the things I'm struck by in the back is that they donate a portion of their proceeds to Habitat for Humanity. We do, a portion of every component. book. Uh, last year we built six houses in Virginia <laughs> on the basis of that money. So, I mean, there's great things that are happening. Uh, we, we do very much believe in, in giving back, and so that's, that's a part of, of the way Morgan James is set up. Wonderful. Okay, so one of the things that I really enjoyed when we first met was this, your whole tie-in with social media and how well you do this piece. It's so critical um, for a book to be successful, to keep it on the minds of people. It is. Uh, let's talk about how you've developed this side of your skills and what that is for people. That, you know, what, what it means to have an online presence for your book before you publish it. Yeah, well, uh, Seth Godin says that you should start three years before you <laughs> publish any book to, to be building that online presence. Three years. Uh, I guess the way it started for me, I was at uh, Mega Book Marketing University in 2007, and, and they brought me as a literary agent, and I sat in all these meetings where Mark Victor Hansen was there and all these people, and they were talking about an internet presence and doing things in the marketplace, and I had a website, but I wasn't doing anything as far as having a newsletter or really uh, a connection to, to lots of people. So I decided, then that I was going to change. And so I started, you know, I started an electronic newsletter. I have that. Uh, I started doing teleseminars. I do some of those. I started blogging. That's why I have 1,200 entries in my blog. Uh, I started on Twitter and on Facebook. I was going to say more impressive is your Twitter presence. You have 84,000. I do. I have 84,000 followers on Twitter, yes. That's unbelievable. Do we do <laughs> To to what do we attribute that to? <laughs> I guess consistency. Um, I'm persistent. I've I've tweeted over sixteen thousand times. Uh, it's all publishing kinds of things. I, I share uh, articles that I read, uh, books that I'm interested in, art, good good things about publishing that people should be doing, and 
I'm consistent in in what I do, and and that that shows in in the way I operate on Twitter. Consistent in that you are, you mean you probably tweet often. I do. I tweet. Is that what you often, mean by consistency? And I tweet to a tar- particular target audience. I mean, my target audience on Twitter are people that are interested in publishing of any kind, magazine or book, and people that are that are writers and just just interested in in learning those communication skills so it's broad but it's also very targeted has anybody ever started their relationship with you through a tweet where you've then acquired their book yeah i often i often meet people on there you go everybody there's your if you want if you want to reach terry on twitter uh twitter.com dash terry whalen t-e-r-r-y-w-h-a-l-i-n good way to get in touch with uh your inner publisher here. <laughs> That's right. People contact me all the time through direct messages on Twitter. Yes. You were going to share a story about this whole online component. Well, and and that that was basically it. Was that in 2007 I made a conscious choice to change. Now, I had a website designer back then, and I found out quickly if I wanted to make any changes, I had to hire that designer and pay that designer to do something. So I decided every time, right? Every time, right. yes. So I decided I wasn't going to do that. So I'm a little bit of a of a nut in that case, I guess, in that I do all my own website stuff. You so mean I have, you learn to write code, or yeah, I, yeah, I have. I, I do I do some HTML, but mostly I use templates and different things, and I do my own stuff. So I have probably. I don't know, I have 55 domains, I think. Holy cow. <laughs> what What for? <laughs> because every teleseminar and every different thing that I do, uh, I have a different little thing that I send people to. So, like, for example, if you want to learn uh, how to do better at getting your book reviewed, I interviewed an expert on that. And so I've got a site, yourbookreviewed.com, which is a teleseminar, a free teleseminar that you can attend. And uh, download that information from me. Of course, it's free only in the sense that you have to surrender your first name and your email address right. to get that information. You can unsubscribe whenever you want to. Right. But it's a, that's a list-building device that I have out there. Okay, so what do you say then of some of this controversy where people say, gee, all the social media, everybody's running to it, but is anybody really making any money at it? What do you say to that? Is uh, this a revenue generating method? It is. It is for uh, for me. It has been, and uh, and it is. It is for many other people I know as well. You just have to be but if reaching your target audience. Okay, yes. but if everything is free that they get when they go to it, is it the, the book sales that follow because they develop an interest in you and the they book follow sales you? that follow the um, the programs that they sign up for that I refer them to, uh, maybe through an affiliate link. Oh, nice. Uh, I mean, I, I'm an affiliate to uh, a couple of people that I made, I made $10,000 through one of my, one of my affiliate links last year. For the year? Oh, that's fascinating. I'm starting to learn a little bit about that, but you can have, you know, more than one or 10, you can have as many as 10 up there as you want, right? Just yeah, you can refer to somebody's and book anybody, and you make a little piece of that, right? Anybody could be one of my affiliates even. If they go to terryinfo.com. <laughs> one of the 55. <laughs> I have my own affiliate program and I pay 50% commissions. Oh my so, gosh, on so your book sales? somebody wanted to sell um, 
jumpstart their publishing dreams. I've got banner ads and all that, and I would. You might just I'd see that on 50%. my website, Real People OC. There you go. <laughs> I'll become one of Terry's affiliates. Sure, absolutely. In fact, forget Terry's email. Just go to. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, what a fascinating way to earn an income. You can do this right from your own home, right? You can. You can. Yes. Huge lifestyle business, isn't it? It is. There's people doing it successfully all over the place. And, you know, we all have this great equalizer called the internet. And the more that you're tapped into that, uh, the better. I don't spend a lot of time on my social media, believe it or not. I mean, uh, I spend maybe 30 minutes a day at the most on my social media stuff. Oh, doing like well as as a as compared to what you're how you're spending your time otherwise. My my time is mostly spent with authors on the phone, talking to them about their work, or emailing them back and forth, or doing what I'm doing as an acquisitions editor at Morgan James. That's my that's my primary gig, is what I'd say. Okay, as, as a writer. These days. So managing that whole component of 55 domain names is only taking 30 minutes a day to manage. I don't do a lot with a lot of those domains are they're, they're set up and, and, and they're, the, they're on replay themselves. or they're they're a static site but they're not static because uh, to get them to move I will put my uh, my tweets over there on them so any tweet that I put will show up over there on that site so there's there's just little things like that that you can do that's maybe a one-time operation that you set it up and then it it handles itself so for you, it's really about um, kind of the, the network you've set up for your own, your own domains where they're all kind of relating back to each other. And you've got this huge deferred, I'm sorry, this huge network of, um, of let's just call it your web, your right. own web that's right. working for you when you're, when you're not at your own computer. Yes. It's, it's generating an income. It's generating... Um, notoriety. <laughs> it's generating contacts. Um, I have my Twitter account set up, for example, so that uh, when somebody starts to follow me, I will send them a direct message back says, hey, thanks for following me. Uh, here's a free gift for me. Get my free ebook, Straight Talk from the Editor, 18 Keys to a Rejection Proof Submission. So they get that free ebook from me, but then they also get on my newsletter list and they learn about other stuff that I have. So it, it, it all goes together. The relationship can become very involved if yes. you wanted it to be. Absolutely. We are drawing down on our time. We have just a couple minutes left. Um, funny how the time flies. Give me some more pearls before we go on this whole publishing thing. What do you think is sparking, you know, what do you think is the best way to spark somebody's interest or get them to take that first step? I guess the, the key message that I would give to uh, give to your listeners there, Kimberly, is that, that every one of us in the publishing world uh, get up every day, we look at our computer, we look at the pitches and the things that come in over the transom, because we are looking for that next best-selling book, whatever that is. And so uh, many writers give up too soon, would be my message. I mean, that's, that's what Mark Victor Hansen wrote about in the forward for this book, it's a little known story about Chicken Soup for the Soul. Everybody's forgotten. Those books were rejected 140 times. Oh, wow. 140 times. I mean, everybody knows that the Chicken Soup for the Souls are some of the best selling books in the English language, but nobody wanted them at first. Why do you think that was? Uh, they were told 
uh, true stories don't tell, don't sell, compilations don't sell. Uh, they were given all those negative reasons over and over and over. Finally, they had a little publisher in Florida, HCI Communications, take a risk on them and publish Chicken Soup for the Soul. I don't think anybody realized how short our attention span was getting in the midst of all of that. <laughs> not, to, not to be negative, but you know, I, I do notice that I tend to gravitate towards compilation books just because I don't have time to enjoy, you know, something. I need to wrap up the thought pretty quickly if uh, I get, I'm going to get in and get out of the book before I fall asleep at the end of the day. <laughs> They're fabulous books. The they are books, wonderful. Yeah. But it is interesting. It was almost like maybe before its time when it came out. Well, it certainly has um, has been very great for those authors that did that. Well, Terry Whalen, it has been a fabulous hour. I have been really enjoying my time with you. I'm I'm certainly motivated to start getting off my duff and thinking about my writing process and what I might do with it. Um, I'm going to read through your books, book proposals that sell, and jumpstart your publishing dreams. I'm so thankful you came and spent the hour with us. So thank you. I'm just very honored. Thank you very much, Kimberly. You were a pleasure. Um, up next is Counterspin, and then after that is Planetary Radio with Matt Kaplan. We um, welcome you to stay on with us here at KUCI during uh, the rest of our public affairs block. And then after that, Kyle is coming in with uh, things that are square. So stick around. We'd love to have you. <laughs>